Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. So welcome to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. Today I have a very lovely soul with me. Her name is Amy Mignati. She's originally from Austin, Texas. And um, Amy is a nature coach, outdoor educator, and yoga teacher living in Munich, Germany. And since 2006, she has been living in Munich where she set up a business dedicated to leading retreats and workshops globally for women to discover and deepen their value, worth, and sense of purpose by connecting to nature and themselves. She uses her life experience as a mother, stepmother, international development worker, traveler, writer, teacher, student, and her own personal spiritual practice to create spaces for women to be heard, felt, and understood. And I'm so happy to have you with us today on the Thrive Podcast, Amy. Welcome. Thank you, Olga. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm so happy to have you because, um, Let's say from the 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 few things that I heard about or that you shared with me about your story, I was really like mesmerized and and amazed really because it seems like you have taken so many courageous decisions and you know taken paths that are so um, far let's say far away from the norm or far away from what people you know would be would be willing to risk maybe or to you know uh lean into um and they've led you to very different places which i'm very curious to hear myself and also to share with the audience but i think one thing just you know even just superficially looking at them is you know that they have one thing in common i feel and that is really you know following following your heart your intuition and making your dreams come true Mm -hmm. yeah for sure Sure. And, that's been a big lead yeah. for me yeah and i feel that you know in 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 today's society really in our hectic lives and constantly being on on social media worrying about what other people you know think on or what kind of expectations we have to fulfill from our bosses parents friends whatever that is you know i feel that leaves us very disconnected actually from from ourselves from our hearts from our dreams even we don't even allow ourselves to dream anymore i feel and um i feel this is such an important thing and um mm-hmm. especially to to not end up with this you know emptiness at the end of our lives wondering you know what what did i do what did i end up doing in my life so this is why i'm so happy to share an example of a person who really you know fully embraces her her dreams her intuition and heart calling yes thank you um 
You know, my journey began well before social media. To say. <laughs> was there ever a world before um, social so when, media? Yeah, when I, yeah, there was a world before social media. And it's really interesting how quickly um, I found myself also being, co- being swept up in it. Because mm-hmm. when I started traveling and I started, you know, my, my life adventures, mm-hmm. there was no internet. Or the internet was just beginning, but I didn't get a Facebook account or any kind of social media or mm-hmm. even a computer until 2009. Mm. So I was really, really behind the times, and so um, maybe there yeah, was so better. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes I think it was. Um, it was just it was freer mm. at times then. It was just easier. The connections were different. I, I have a feeling there was a bit more magic. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't as much, um, now you know what other people are doing, you know what's going on, you're very much in the loop. Mm-hmm. And um, before social media or any of that, it was it was more difficult to find out what's going on. And so it left up it left it up to fate, and I always had this feeling it was a little bit more magical mm. than it is now. So yeah, but it's definitely a different world. And so what do you think, um, because let's start maybe with really probably one of the major first experiences that you had and correct me if I'm wrong, but at least this was a very, I think, impactful uh, experience uh, in your life where you really followed, you, you set a dream, you defined a dream and you just, you know, followed it when you sailed around the world on a small yacht as a, a travel writer for children with absolutely uh-huh. no experience um, and just, you know, with this dream that you wanted to see the world by the sea. Yes. Um, well, prior to that, yeah. I had lived in Africa for three oh, yeah. years. So mm-hmm. I had, um, yeah, I, I had, um, I joined the Peace Corps, which is an American volunteer organization, and I was sent to Africa And so I was living in the middle of a village for two years with no electricity and no running water. And that really, that experience really set me into wanting to explore the entire world. Mm. So I did that. And then I traveled Africa for a year and then came back and led a kind of normal life again. Mm -hmm. I actually moved to Austin and then I moved to Vienna because Austin was, again, just too small. And it was from that place that I was like, I still have this great desire to see the world. And I don't know where the desire to see it by sea came. That was just always just some great big dream. You know, mm-hmm. you, I guess traveling and backpacking and hitchhiking around Africa, Africa is so very big. And I thought there's this continent is huge. The world is huge. And then there's this whole ocean mm. between everything. And so it, it was always just this, this dream, even in Africa, I thought about sailing back to America and I tried it out. I mean, I like went to Cape town and went to the Harbor and met sailors and decided, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not ready for this. This is a bit too much. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. How old <laughs> were you actually when you, when you went to Africa? When I went to Africa, I was 23. 23. Uh-huh. And I came back when I was 20, when I had just turned 27. So I was there for a full three years. Um, and then I had a few more adventures in between. But then I got on the sailboat when I was 31. Mm. 
So, I mean, I was even a bit older than most people because a lot of a lot of people my age at that time were, you know, locked into full time jobs. They were That's starting true. families, buying houses. They had cell phones. I didn't mm-hmm. even have a cell phone at that time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is all a little bit too much. You know, I s- still wasn't ready to jump full on headfirst into that um, very kind of structured and <laughs> normal life. It just it really scared me because I, I just saw how people were kind of at a very young age becoming like my parents, you know, I mean, Mm. it was just everything seemed, um, yeah, as I said, very structured and rigid. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was no space in that, you know, I would speak to my friends, but I remember coming back from Africa and no one even asked me about Africa. They were like, Oh, I've got a new boyfriend and a new car and a new job. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh, nobody has any idea what I've been doing for two years. I was riding horses and, you know, hitchhiking and having these crazy experiences that I couldn't really share because it was so far from anybody else's world Mm -hmm. that I was friends with that it was really, I felt very removed from my own friendship group in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, yeah, but, but there's still this, there was still this desire for me not to fit into that mold because I could tell it was just, it, it just didn't work for me, for me personally. Um, Yeah, and so I had this idea to sell around the world, and crazy enough, it was pretty deep in me. I had got, I had taken sailing classes on Mm -hmm. Lake Travis in Austin, and I was horrible. I was horrible. I couldn't even get the boat straight. (laughs) (laughs) Really, like, yeah, the the uh, my instructor was like, you really, you know, shouldn't be doing this alone ever. (laughs) Um, And I just was like, okay, I'm gonna go. I had, I had at that time. I was going to do a nanny job in France for a month. And so I asked the, the, the family if I could just get a return ticket back two months later, mm-hmm. you know, if it was included in the cost of me going over there. And they said, sure. And so I had the idea to go to Greece and look for a boat job in Greece. I mean, it was like, I was that far along on it, on my dream. And that I was leaving in June, and I think in like mid-April, yeah, it was mid-April. I was at a girlfriend's house, and her mom had given her these magazines called Organic Style, and we were kind of laughing about them because her mom thought she was kind of a hippie and into stuff like that. And I was flipping through it, and it profiled 10 great women in the world. Mm-hmm. And one of these women, her name was Heather Halstead, and she had a boat, and she took five teachers on a three-year three sailboat journey around the world. And I was like, that's it. That is my boat. So I immediately uh, got online, and I was uh, at my friend's house. She had a computer. So I <laughs> luckily yeah, one person with technology. Yeah, she had a computer. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I got on the website, and um, from my friend's account, I sent an email mm-hmm. about um, my interest and who I was, and she wrote back. And then I got my own email account because of that, and. Um, told me about the journey and that, you know, she was hiring. And so I sent very quickly, I sent my resume in and, um, and I think like a week later she called me and said that she wanted to interview me, but I had to come up to Rhode Island in New York. Wow. And that was like three or four days before I was leaving to go to France. I mean, this was all as always, (laughs) you know, all pushed together right at the last minute. I was teaching first grade at a French school And so it was like the end of school, I remember, was on a Friday. That Saturday morning, I flew up to Rhode Island, met her, and then came back Sunday evening and left for France on Tuesday. I mean, it was like unbelievable how fast it was. 
And so, you know, I went, I met her, I had to meet the boat. Um, she explained to me, you know, everything that was going to happen and that they, you know, were just in the process of hiring. And mm-hmm. I would know by the end of mid, no, by the beginning of August. Mm-hmm. So I was still in France. And at this point I had gone to Greece because, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to get the job mm-hmm. or not. And, um, didn't hear from her. I wrote her an email and she's like, yeah, we're still deciding. Um, but I need you to do some more work. I need a a personal interview with you and the captain. And I had to fill out this like, or basically write like a five page paper with answering all these questions, Mm -hmm. you know, about safety on the boat. What would I do in this situation? What's my experience with this? And so Mm -hmm. I remember being in my hotel room in Greece and writing it out and then going down to the internet cafe, typing it out. The lights would cut out. I would lose everything. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was such a crazy time. Yeah. Because as I said, the internet was really just beginning at this time too. Um, so anyway, I got it all off and then like end of August, she still hadn't made a decision and I had this plane ticket back to the States and I had actually gotten a job sailing on a boat around Turkey as a waitress on this really high end yacht. So Mm -hmm. kind of more than just a waitress, kind of, I guess, crew and a stewardess. Mm -hmm. But I had the feeling internally that I was going to get this job. I was like, this is for sure mine. I mean, it was way too magic how everything kind of lined up. Mm -hmm. So I went back to Texas, and about a week later, I got the information that she was not giving me the job. And I was like, this cannot be true. This cannot be true. And she was like, yeah, I'm sorry. We've hired somebody else. And I was like, okay. So here I am in Austin at my parents' house. I was 30. Mm Mm-hmm. No job, very little money. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, how did I get myself in this situation? This is ridiculous because I really trust my intuition and it let me down and I was pissed. So I didn't know really what to do at that time. I mean, I, you know, as a teacher, I had already missed the school year, so I couldn't go back to teaching, nor did I really want to. Um, Interestingly enough, I ended up in Japan. So I had two friends that worked at a language school. How did did that happen? (laughs) I know. You know, when you're in a situation of like nothing worked out and then you just have to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? You know, I mean, because I was really in a a bad place. I felt very bad about myself, you know, like 30 years old, Mm. no money, living at my parents' house. I was like, I am so much better than this. You know, there's got to be something else. And um, hey, let me just go to Japan. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because I was so open. Yeah, that's what happened. I put I I sent an email out to all of my friends. I was like, I'm looking for a job. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything at this point. Mm. You know, just get me out of my parents house. And um, I mean, they are so lovely because they're like, well, you know, take all the time you need. You know, my it was my home. But still, you know, I was 30. I know babies, (laughs) you know, I was like, oh, my God. So two friends of mine had a language school in Japan. They're like, we need a teacher. They got me a visa. And I was there by the end of September. I mean, it was so fast. I was like, okay, Japan. So I ended up (laughs) spending a year in Japan, which I absolutely loved. I mean, it was just, it was a wonderful experience. That's a whole nother story. But like at the end of that year, so it must've been, yeah, I was there in September, beginning of the the following August, Mm -hmm. I got an email from Reach the World, from Heather in New York, four people out of five on the boat had quit. They had a job opening. They wanted to, and they didn't even need to ask me any more questions. If I wanted the job, it was mine. And I was like, you bet. So, you know, I told (laughs) told my friends in Japan. Interesting how the universe sometimes plays out or, you know, how life plays out. Yes, 
it is crazy. It is crazy. So I, I'm also still in awe about it because that that year in Japan was also very, very special for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Japan, ended up there. I love that country. I mean, that's just, it was such a beautiful experience there. And with two good friends of mine, we just had a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. And um, yeah. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. You know, normally you have to give a job like a month. They're like, we need you there in uh, two weeks. I was like, okay. So, you know, everybody was like super supportive. They're like, yes, girl, go. Don't worry. We've got it covered. Mm. We'll find another teacher. It's not a problem. So I flew back to Austin, dropped all my stuff off, packed a bag, went to New York City. A week later, I was completely still jet lagged. I was in New York for about three weeks doing training because the boat was in Australia. So this, the first crew had sailed from New York all the way to Australia. Mm. And so... Um, Yeah, I, you know, we, because it was a program that was for underfunded schools in New York City, Mm -hmm. we went to these schools and we visited them. And the idea of the program was that we, as the sailboat, would be the eyes and the ears of the kids in the school. So the teachers were, basically the program was a resource for teachers. And so they could use the the program as a curriculum for the entire year. Mm-hmm. They could use parts of it like, okay, we're going to study elephants <clears throat> in Thailand. And so just use that part of it. And so our writing focused on, um, we had to do an animal study because kids love animals and are totally into animals. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I can second study, that. <laughs> Yeah, 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 me too. As now I have a child, it was, we, yeah, it was all about animals. Um, a cultural study, so um, basically about, yeah, the culture of where we were. We had to do a school visit wherever we were in whatever, whatever town we landed in. We had to go find mm-hmm. a school, visit them, huh. interview the children, interview the teachers, sit in on a school day so that we could share about how other kids go to school. Um we had to write an article about our interpersonal relationships on the boat and things that happens because that's another thing the kids love. They always wanted to know if we saw sharks, if we were ever mm. almost eaten by sharks and uh, all the bad storms that we yeah. had. So we had to write about that and then we had to write about the food. So there were these five areas of our, our writing and this is what we had to work out as the crew because we all met each other for the first time in New York City. Yeah, And then we would go visit these schools and we'd talk about who we are, what we're going to do on the boat, where we're going to go, show them a map, and then um, off we went. So at the end of, that was like at the end of September, we flew to Australia, picked up the boat in Australia, and then we sailed it to uh, Spain. Mm. So, and that was, I mean, so it wasn't really around the world, but it was a really good chunk of the world. So I kind of. I still need to do my Atlantic crossing, but um, <laughs> let's see about that. But, um, but have you have yeah. you ever, I mean, wh- that's what I'm always, you know, <laughs> that's what I, how I imagine it is like, I also, one time there was a, a situation I wanted to, I wanted, I was just so determined to do an internship in China. I don't know why, I just wanted to go. And then the day that I had to take my flight and I was sitting at the airport, I was like, I'll go, what the fuck are you doing, you know? Yeah. I didn't have any, like, I had a, a contact, but heck, like, I don't speak any Chinese. I didn't know who was going to pick me up. I didn't know where I would live. I was like, okay, if anything goes wrong, I'm freaking stranded in Shanghai. I don't know where I should go. I don't have any phone number, whatever. So it's like, you're so motivated by this, you know, um, dream or image or idea that you want to pursue. And then when the day comes, like, didn't 
do you have like any any fear of hitting like really hitting the ocean and like knowing um dude i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna sail from australia to spain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i know um yes there was of course there was a lot of fear involved of, i mean yeah 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 but it wasn't big enough to hold me back mm. because I think that fear, fear is also healthy in the way mm. of like it can drive you and it can motivate you and push you forward and keep you very much awake and alive because, I mean, that's our natural instinct yeah. that we're scared to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, right in the beginning, like within the first month of sailing, like we had pretty smooth seas. Now we had about six weeks of smooth seas in Australia. But once we hit Indonesia, we were mm -hmm. behind the winds. We came into some really, really rough weather and nighttime storms and lightning and waves going over the boat. I mean, it was it was really scary. And there was just this like, there's no going back. Though. Know. You know what I mean? That decision was made. And I think in the very beginning, I was so kind of blue eyed and all of this, mm -hmm. like the idea of getting on a yacht and sailing around the world was so much greater than like what could happen. And mm -hmm. I had a really good captain as well. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I mean, we had a lot of problems, um, between us as a crew, but he was a very strong captain and I trusted him a hundred percent. And because mm -hmm. of that, I feel like I would kind of give my fear over mm. to him because I just trusted that he was going to take care of us. Like there was nothing that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of went at it with that attitude, but at the same time, there was this always like, Oh shit. You know, there was a <laughs> couple of those <laughs> more than a couple. Um, yeah, several of those moments throughout the way that were like, okay. But I also realized like when you get in a situation where you do something 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like being on a boat and sailing, mm -hmm. it just becomes almost natural in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't an easy thing for me to learn, especially when there wasn't a lot of wind. I remember being like, I cannot sail this boat. I have no idea what I'm doing. But then somewhere along the line, pretty quickly, it became like second nature because you're constantly, you know, pulling mm -hmm. ropes, tying ropes, pulling ropes, tying ropes, you know, and then we had like hours where there's nothing to do so we just mm. practice tying knots you know so <laughs> just keep going <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean they're like when the winds pick up and like also in Indonesia there were a lot of a lot of ships a lot of traffic and a lot of mm. night traffic and it was like I have no idea what I'm doing but I had no problem asking for help either mm. you know there was no ego involved in this for me because it was so clear that this is this, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing so yeah what what did that experience you know teach you especially about maybe yourself um because if i imagine you know your if i imagine the situation where i would be like on on the sea and i would see nothing else than the sea first i would get probably close to a panic attack because i'm not such a good swimmer but i think it also gives you the necessary space to maybe sometimes reflect the things that you wouldn't do when you're on on earth <laughs> or on, yeah. on, on, on the ground um and especially when how how i mean how long has this trip then in the end been going from australia was, to spain it was a year a, a little over year. a year like 14 months that's, 14 months it was a long time that's great you know with the the ocean part of it like the sea part I don't know if that's really where I learned so much from mm -hmm. because 
because, okay, so we were five people mm-hmm. and we were on a 12 meter yacht. So, I mean, it was really small and there was, you know, we read a lot, we talked a lot, we cooked, you know, like, and then there were, you know, we, oh, and we had to write. So there was always something to do. And on a boat, you know, something breaks, you have to fix something. So I would say we were pretty much busy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think it, but we were pretty much busy most of the time. <laughs> but what I really took away from that experience because we were five people that had never met each other before. It was like a reality TV show. I sometimes mm-hmm. was like, when is the camera going to come around the corner? Because I really <laughs> felt like this cannot be real. That was the hardest part. The, the like really living with people with absolutely no personal space. Mm. And to make it even like to add another twist to it, the captain and one of the crew members got together within the first two weeks of us being on the boat Mm -hmm. and then broke up like four months later. And, you Mm. know, there was a lot of fighting and anger and screaming. And it was like you're in somebody else's relationship that like one person wants to get out, one person doesn't, but there's nowhere to go. Mm. And so that that whole kind of drama with all of them really made me find my voice. Mm. It was interesting because the captain was also, he had, you know, sailed the world, I mean, like four or five times or Mm -hmm. at least been in Indonesia so much. And so he had his own agenda and um, was, you know, pretty vocal and strong about what he wanted. And and this was also the interesting thing is that on a normal boat, what the captain says goes. That's mm-hmm. just how it is. The captain, you know, controls the ship and then your crew and you listen to the captain and you do not have the choice to make decisions. But because we were this kind of research crew, we all had a say in where we went and what we did. Mm. Now, when it came to like any of the boat repairs or things like that, of course, you know, we listened to the captain. But um as far as like the itinerary, we, we got to pick out where we wanted to go. And so this always caused a lot of problems because the captain had his own idea of where he wanted to go. And we had our own idea. He's like, well, you know, I'm the captain. It's going to be like this. And we <laughs> had to talk to him and like even get New York involved and be like, no, you don't have the say in it. This is a, a, a community. You know, mm-hmm. we have to work together. And so with him being very um, honorary and not really wanting to um, back down out of his position of power, it forced me to stand up and, mm-hmm. um, and really find my voice and my place in that and be like, no, it's not exactly what you say. We make the decisions together. And so I had never really done that before. I mean, I've always, you know, I've always been talkative and kind of loud or whatever, or, you know, that's how I've been perceived. But to stand up for something that I believe in, to say face to face to another person, especially this big man, like, no, I don't agree with you. We're not going to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that was a real big step forward for me in my own personal, um, my own personal growth, because the others were kind of scared of him. And then he was dating one girl and she didn't really want to say anything to make him angry. You know I mean? So it was oh all these yeah. really weird dynamics of like personalities. Mm-hmm. And so and I told him, I was like, this is my one trip around the world. This has been a dream of mine forever. And I am not going to back down and let you just run the show. And so a lot of my, um, I would say, my strength and my my voice, I found my voice mm-hmm. and really able to say what I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it and be firm and strong in that. And so that was a big step forward for me. And so I learned a lot about... Um, 
yeah, about people, <laughs> I can, <laughs> about relationships. I can imagine. About, um, how to speak with people mm-hmm. as well, you know, and how to, um, and how to also stay committed to myself and, and, and my beliefs while being open to a group. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, the ocean aside, I think that's really what I took away from that experience yeah. was just it was very very character building for me mm. now of course the let's say the image of the ocean that's my personal image <laughs> imagining yeah. like maybe myself to to sail but you're absolutely right I didn't even consider you know those factors so it's a really yeah. great learning experience and would you say that before you you went on that trip you've been more like um let's say I don't know I don't know the the right word in English but kind of um well maybe stepping stepping down sometimes for, uh, like when it came to your um yes. beliefs or opinions what you wanted You know I was always one that would try to um make sure that everybody felt good mm. kind of regardless of how I felt you know I'd like <coughs> go with the team Mm-hmm. rather than like go away from the team. And even on the boat, because we had, um, there were four beds and five people, <laughs> you know, so two people could sleep in the front and the captain and the first mate slept in the back. That was pretty clear. And then, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was, she, she, the, the first mate wasn't the one okay. the captain, because they had a bigger bed and they needed more sleep. They needed, yeah, because they needed to be fit for like whatever, you know, And so in order to even avoid problems from the beginning, mm. I was like, I'll just sleep in the middle. You know, I'll just sleep where everything's going mm. on, where the action is, because mm-hmm. I don't really care and I'm not, you know, I don't want to fight about it. And so I was always more willing to just like make sure everybody else felt good. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, kind of just not really worry so much about me because I could take care of myself and it didn't really matter. You know, and that was always the way that I kind of approach things. You know, if we were in a work meeting, I wouldn't stand up and say I disagree with something. You know, I'd, you know, talk about talk about it behind somebody's back or with my mm-hmm. colleagues later. But I wouldn't be the one to be like, no, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's right mm-hmm. ever. Now, you know, it's a different story because it's also in the way that you approach it. You know, if you come with, you know a lot of um, aggression and anger and like, I don't believe in that. I'm not going to do that. Of course, it's not going to work out. But, you know, if you stand up and for yourself and for an opinion that you have and really are able to express and explain it, um, then hopefully it's going to be met not just with like, you know, force and anger, but with, you know, open mindedness and people are going to try to work together. And so, Yeah, that really, it was a big shift for me as far as how I move about in the world and how I move forward with mm-hmm. my own self and my own life. And so what do you think? I mean, it's, it's really, I feel like two, two really big experiences. First, at 23 years old, going to Africa all by yourself mm-hmm. back in those days, you know, when, I mean, Now you can now you can Google everything, right? You can look everything mm-hmm. up. You can you can gather a lot of information about where you're going or you know what's going on there and inform yourself really. And you know, just ten years ago, really, I mean, you, you in, in air quotes just had books and you you, you didn't have all this information, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it it was more like you know going into this uh, this black hole somehow and not yeah. knowing you know what to expect so that's why i'm saying like it's such a big courageous step um where do you think you know you got this cur courageousness or this courage from to, like to just go and do such things to just go and and um <laughs> to just dare you know and yeah to, to just lean in into something totally uncertain um you know i think about that at times because i have a very normal structured life now that I have a child. You know, it's very important for me to have the stability and not to be like, you know, just traveling all over the place. Um, and so I think, you know, from a very young age, well, maybe not, no, I would say once I got into college, mm -hmm. I became so fascinated with the world outside of Texas. You know, I mean, I was like, I lived in Texas my whole life, you know, my mm. I'd been to Philadelphia and New York a few times, but like my world was Texas. And I was like, you know, I had the feeling that I knew everybody in Austin. Mm. I knew everybody in Denton where I went to college. And I was like, it was great and all it was fun. But I was like, there's a world that's bigger than this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there was just this, I don't know where it came from, but this really big desire to see the world, to get outside of Texas, to go mm. And, and, and also to get away from everything that I knew, because I had the feeling, because I'm a very social person, and I always have been, and I've always had a lot of friends and always been surrounded by a lot of people, and I had the feeling that somehow my, my own voice, my own kind of like inner voice mm -hmm. was lost in all of this noise. I mean, it was great fun. I had a lot of fun and, a, you know, But it was loud. You know, my life was always very loud. And I, I just ha wanted to go somewhere where I didn't know anybody, where it was just quiet so I could kind of discover myself in a way. Mm. And so this was a big desire to go to Africa in the beginning mm -hmm. because there was no electricity. There was no running water. It was a village that lives on the, the earth time. You know, it lives on the sun and the moon. And I wanted to experience that because... Mm. I didn't know what that was like. And I, so often, like, I don't know if it was necessarily courage that drove me there mm -hmm. because I, yes, I was always afraid. I remember packing for trips because after Africa, I did a lot of traveling and I did a lot of traveling alone. I preferred to travel alone because then I could make my own decisions mm -hmm. and, you know, I didn't have to answer to anybody and it was just so much easier for me. Um, And I remember being scared and being like, oh, my God, a bit nervous before, you know, packing. And I always got sick before a trip, always. <laughs> you know, there was always like I got a cold before a trip and I would be sick on the airplane. I flew into so many places with a fever, you know, and it was really interesting because it was like kind of my body's way yeah. of like shutting down or something. It's interesting. Um, and so, again, I don't know if it was courage or just this desire, this mm -hmm. bigger, like something greater than courage that led me there. Yeah. Because... Um, You know, once I was in a place where I started traveling, um, it's just like this, I just had this, this, this desire to discover and, mm -hmm. and you know, to, to go. Um, yeah, I never really thought about being brave or anything like that because I met so many other people like traveling that were mm. doing 10 times more crazy things than I was doing. You know, I yeah. felt like, oh, I have my lonely planet. You know, I'm like <laughs> actually more structured than, um, you know, people who are just like kind of wandering around. They were, you know, yeah. you know, um, canoeing on the, the Okavanga Delta or something, you know, it was just, yeah, yeah, because yeah, there were always people 
always people that I would come into contact with that were just so interesting, you know, that I just never really felt like what I was doing was that interesting. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. And uh, I love, so I, lo- I, is different. I love that you mentioned that because, uh, let's say I've also had my fair share of travels and usually people would be like super, you know, I don't know, impressed. And for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like a no big deal, you know, it's just, yeah. I, I just went there and that was it basically. But for, um, for, for some people, you know, when you, when you leave your country or when you leave, you know, your, your comfort zone, whatever is normal to you and you go out somewhere you 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 encounter a pretty a new normal very quickly like you said on the boat you know a, a couple of weeks doing something completely different yes in the beginning it seems you know very you know maybe challenging but then after a couple of weeks you get a hang of it and then when you're traveling by yourself of course you meet people who also travel <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. And then it becomes like, you know, you have this, this impression that the whole world is traveling until you get back yeah. home where nobody's traveling anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I totally under, yeah. understand that. So what would you say or would you say that you had a pretty good, let's say, intuition or connection to yourself already before you went off on your first adventure or is that something that you have developed throughout those different you know experiences I definitely say I've developed it more Mm -hmm. um because as I said you know I was so surrounded with people for so long that like listening the, the 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 connection to the inner voice was there, but not really, you know, Mm -hmm. it takes, or it took for me really going to a space where there wasn't a lot going on, where it was very quiet, where I didn't have a lot of distractions Mm -hmm. to really connect to me again. And then once I started to make that connection, especially in Africa, I mean, because you know, I was this, again, in this village where there's no electricity and there was very few people. And so the, there was a lot of space and I did a lot of walking and hiking and a lot of silence. And in that silence, you know, you're completely alone with your Mm -hmm. own, your own self. And you, and, and it's much easier to feel when you're in Mm -hmm. that space, you know, to feel well, the emotions and also the intuition. And Mm -hmm. so I would say, um, you know, it, it developed then and then it's only gotten greater. And then later on I became a yoga teacher and, in that process also of like going into yoga and, and going on that spiritual path as well. It's a lot about the connection to the intuition, mm-hmm. um, which I have just and continue to develop mm-hmm. it more and more as I, as I grow and get older. So actually yeah. it's, it's very interesting. This concept of like nothingness or being, you know, in nothingness creating really space and also time with that for yourself has has popped up quite quite often already in in some of the talks that I've had and I I know from my own personal experience how important that is would you say that this is also something that you know or one of the reasons that your current work actually relates so much to nature because also when I feel when we are in nature you know this is like this place of let's say non-judgment no judgment uh Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. calm peacefulness where you're you're just able to be Mm -hmm. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, that's one of the things I realized like a long time ago. I think even when I was in college, you know, you have to pick a major. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm 18 years old. How the hell do I want to know what I I'm going to do? But I knew, I knew what I didn't want to do. You know, mm. I was real clear with what I didn't want to do. And I didn't want to get an office job. I just was like, I feel the best when I'm outside and when I'm free. You know, mm. that was like basically my parameters on how to find a job, <laughs> you know, or how to find a, a path in life at the beginning. And then, and and that's why, you know, I, I chose to go to Africa because I was like, oh, that's, that's another two years that I can like kind of starve off an office job or having to mm. go to real life. You know, that's what I always kept thinking. Well, there's going to be a time when I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to make money. It's, you know, and that's how else do you make money? Because, I mean, 20 years ago, there were, you know, there were growing numbers of options of different jobs, but it was not like it is now. You know, now with this, like the technology, you can be a digital nomad, you can work anywhere. So. I, I had a feeling I had kind of limited or a limited perception on what was available for me. And so I chose constantly to just be outside as much as possible. That is where I just felt the best. And I loved being in nature. I loved hiking. And, you know, in Africa, it was just free. Mm. And, you know, then again, on the boat, I mean, I was li- living out. Basic, I was living outside for a year. And um, I think that has made me realize the importance of it in my life and that it's there is no turning back for me I have to do this it's like my calling you mm-hmm. know I have to I have to be outside I have to share what I've learned and how much I've um how much nature has given me mm-hmm. and it, and it's continued to grow over the years I did a four-year Wildnis Pädagogik Ausbildung mm-hmm. here in Germany um about four years after I moved here, this was kind of the beginning of like, I have to get away from my teaching job and get into, um, you know, being outside more because I realized at that point when I, uh, that I had the choice, you know, there wasn't like, you just have to get a job and do it because you need to make money that you can actually create your own job and make your own money, you mm-hmm. know? And I was like, well, I'm going to do that and I'm going to live, I'm going to do something outdoors. And so I did this, this, uh, Ausbildung, this basically outdoor teaching Ausbildung. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It was so amazing because it was like we were outside all the time and it just strengthened my connection to nature the more and more I learned. And also we were able to kind of label things like learn about the different plants, learn about the different mm-hmm. trees, learn about the herbs and things like that, that I started to feel much more comfortable than just like I'm going to go hiking for a day and or, you know, a weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just like I started to understand um, the environment in a different level and also rather than just like moving quickly through it, like when you go hiking, you know, you have, you start and you end somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and it's about the goal and getting to the top. And now I just go and sit in the forest, you know, there is no goal to it anymore. And it's just being comfortable being outside, being comfortable being in the silence and being comfortable being with myself. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, as a, from I, I when I look back, you know, and kind of follow the 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 I love the German the Rote Fade, you know, the the red line, and we don't even have that in English of my life, the path that my life has taken. It's always been something connected to nature, but I would have never had kind of seen that mm-hmm. in a way, you know. I it was just more of this. Oh, I don't want an office job. What can I do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have to be outside to realizing that I could bring that into my work, which was which is a pretty big revelation for me. Mm. And it's it's so important because nature gives you the if if you can sit 
quietly in nature, not run through it or bike through it. You know what I mean? Um, there's so much there. There's so much there. It's always, I always see it kind of as a, like a reflection of whatever is going on within me and just sitting there. And it's like, sometimes I feel like when I'm in a forest, I'm with a bunch of old friends, you know, and I can just like really lean back into the trees and be there and be held and be supported and kind of let everything go mm. where I don't have to keep it all together all the time. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have mm -hmm. to do anything. And without that connection, I don't think I'd be as mentally fit <laughs> in my life as I am. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's always a place for me to go when I'm just like, I just need to breathe. I just need yeah. the space, you know, it, it, and it, it, there's just something so, so valuable and so important mm. um, that nature gives us. And I don't even know if, if it's something we can necessarily name, you know, it's this, this feeling. Yeah. It's this, I, I feel I, I have the same, like, let's say mm, when I, when I get, When when I when I notice that I get when when I got too charged with too much let's say negative negative emotions or stress or whatever and it's just like you know it's like tipping over almost then I'm just like mm -hmm. okay take 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 the baby I have to go you know I'm yeah. gonna come back and then I just go outside and you really you know you, it's kind of like a rejuvenation or something like that I don't know but you can you can just leave all that energy uh, mm -hmm. out there and it gives you so much you know just peacefulness and groundedness and um, that's why I always you know also recommend people you know if you need if you feel like this you know this energy inside of you and you're not being a happy person just go somewhere create this space for you because this energy needs to go you you can't mm -hmm. like suppress it it's just gonna get worse you just need to let it go and find the best you know kind of environment where you feel like you're getting this let's say groundedness or positivity somehow back Yeah, and I, I, I believe nature is really the best place. So fresh air alone, and especially right now. Well, I mean, Germany is so beautiful. Germany is so beautiful for this. You know, we have the, the seasons. Because in Texas, I grew up without mm -hmm. seasons. You know, it's mm. like hot and warm, and trees are green or brown. You know, so there's like nothing um, so breathtaking about it. I mean, because like just today, I was like, oh, it's a cold, gray day. But I mean, I went outside and just like, The air was so fresh and so clean and the trees like right behind my house are yellow and just mm -hmm. sitting out there. It was like, oh, this is just what I need. It's like a, a, a perspective switch as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you're in your house or you're inside somewhere, especially if there's a lot of noise, you know, you're just constantly bombarded with this and you cannot get away from that. And just like taking the time to just breathe and to sit and to not do and to have that that quiet and that peace and the stillness, of course, it's going to change something within mm -hmm. you, you know, and like getting the energy out, you know, just go for a long walk, you know, I mean, that energy is going to transform. It just needs somewhere to go, exactly. you know, and, um, yeah, I always find like a walk in the forest is some of the best medicine for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it just shifts everything. You know, yep. I can just like clear my head, even if I, you know, don't come back and have all the answers. It's just like, I have space, within mm. me, you know, and that's what I find a lot of times in these, like, these hectic days, and especially living in the city and things, you know, there's always something to do that there's some somewhere to be, you know, especially if you have children, 
you know, there's, there's a lot that goes on with them as well, because you're taking care of another human being. And then, you know, that finding the time and the space within the day or within Mm. the week, even to just step away from that, um, it's, it's necessary. It's necessary. And it's very valid. Yeah, it really is. Because you cannot continue to be bombarded with noise, 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 and especially all the computers and the phones and the social media. And I feel like that is really, you know, you said earlier about being disconnected. And I think this is one of the things that is a huge disconnect from ourselves and also from the natural world. And yeah, I don't know. There haven't been enough studies done, but I wouldn't be surprised in like, you know, 10, five years or something. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a, a link between this and like in, in depression and, you know, burnout. If there, oh, maybe yeah. there already has been studies, but it, it, you know, it's just so clear because people do not take the time to step away, to put down, to breathe. You know, it's always like on to the next thing. And, you know, it's you know? very, very interesting that um, I, I'm also always trying to, um, let's say, really reflect people in a certain way. You know, how much stress we're actually living every day. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it's not this obvious kind of stress, you know, but it is a lot of emotional stress, a lot of, let's say, mental stress that is just like, you know, subconscious. You're not really aware of it, but you feel drained at the end of the day. Something, you know, mm-hmm. some things are not working right. And um, I think if if somebody who's listening, you know, if you go outside into nature for just one day or one afternoon heck just one hour i don't care but just be there (laughs) and if you if you notice you know the difference when you come home in how maybe relaxed or i don't know so i'm I'm sure something will happen and if you notice that the difference then i can guarantee you that you've been in a state of stress and you've just you Mm -hmm. know come back from from that being that one hour in in nature and maybe it's it's not so obvious to you in the things that you experience but your body is you know processing all this energy and your body knows and um so i can just encourage everybody to just you know just make the comparison just go outside and see if that has changed anything inside of you and um just use it as a kind of a reflection maybe um, yeah, and I would say also go outside without a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> not, like, not to go out and be on your phone. Like. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're taking a walk, you're outside. Yeah, but like go out and just like be with yourself. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where a lot of this disconnection, because there's a lot of, you know, the more that we connect to, um, you know, social media and TV and movies and, you know, all of this kind of stuff out there, the less we're we're connecting to ourselves, Mm. you know? And so when we can just kind of put everything away and just listen to whatever is going on. And sometimes, you know, we don't really want to hear what's going on with ourselves. You know, know. it's kind of like, Oh, we've got some work to do. And that's, (laughs) that's not always what we want to do. You know, it's really easy to distract ourselves from that. But I mean, it's so much more beneficial to do the work, to look within and to, um, you know, take the time to be with yourself and to be gentle with yourself Mm. as well. Would you say that, um, let's say finding, finding that hard space, let's call it like that Mm -hmm. for yourself. And also the fact, you know, of finding your own voice and standing up for yourself. Would you say that this is something that has helped you maybe also in dealing with setbacks or, you know, in air quotes, failures, or even maybe sometimes, you know, worrying or feeling like, 
this imposter syndrome because I mean you you've started now your business you know in a, in a country that you haven't lived in before um, you even went uh, to India to get trained as a as a yogi and mm -hmm. um, do all those uncertain things you know and um, also you know when you start those new endeavors I feel especially when you're when you're teaching other people something I feel it's very easy to always fall into this oh do I know enough or have I enough experience and um, <laughs> really not get into this vicious downward spiral of you know not enough not enough not enough and do more and do more and never getting to the end of it because there's always something more yeah 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 for sure um, yeah I'd say you know The whole journey for me, I mean, the, the whole life, it's, it's been a process. And I know that when I first started teaching yoga, for example, you know, it was 10 years ago now. Um, you know, I was constantly comparing myself to other people because mm. I was like, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have enough training. I mean, this person is so much better. They know what they're doing. I sound stupid when I'm teaching, you know. And it was um, what it took for me really, I would say there was always a lot of doubt. And there mm -hmm. still sometimes is. There's a lot of doubt. There's fear. But again, you know, I, I try to really make friends with fear in a way because I think like fear can either hold you back or it can push you forward. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you can't if you if you let it consume you, you're not going to move. But if you're like, okay, you know, and you go with it, then there's a lot of, of potential mm. in it. Um, and so I kind of sometimes use this nervousness as like a guide, like, okay, I'm nervous about it. Do it. You know, mm -hmm. it scares the shit out of me, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know that I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn from it. Um, but what I have found is like the consistency of just showing up again for, for I'll put this in the context of the yoga practice. You know, mm -hmm. I teach um, two classes a week. I used to teach much more before my child, but now it's two classes a week. And mm -hmm. so just showing up every single week, regardless of what's going on within me, because sometimes, you know, I've had a fight with my boyfriend or, um, you know, I'm worried about something or yeah, there was a failure and something didn't work out. And I just feel like, God, nothing's ever going to work. And I'm not mm -hmm. good enough. And I haven't put enough energy into it. And then, you know, and I start this kind of downward spiral mm -hmm. of, um, you know, self-talk and it's like, okay, well, all that aside, I have to still commit and continue doing what, you know, doing mm -hmm. what I have to do. And so I just show up and I just teach and I, you know, sometimes teach from a level of like a lot of love and joy. And sometimes it's just like the best I can do is to be there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I, and I still find like in the process of that, of my, of my classes or whatever, when I'm teaching that, I find this personal transformation and this like this softness that I can give back to myself because I showed up and mm -hmm. I did it. And that also kind of gave or, or I've learned has given me the push forward to um, just continue in the face of setbacks and failures because we're always going to have failures and you can either let them crush you and just mm -hmm. say, okay, well that was that. And I'm not going to do that again or realize, okay, there's a different way to approach this. Or I didn't do, you know, I, maybe I didn't give it all of my energy. Maybe it was just, you know, not the right time. Maybe it was not good what I was putting out, you know? Um, but I just have found that Even though, even if there is a failure or a doubt, if I just continue to do what I set out to do, regardless mm -hmm. of that, that things somehow 
work out, maybe not in the timeline that I would like them to, which can Mm -hmm. also be frustrating, but you have to let that go. But things do work out and opportunities do come, but you just have to remain open for them, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, just showing up to whatever it is in whatever state that you're at or in, um, is going to give you a lot of benefit, Mm. you know, and also like, yeah, I guess it is living from the heart. Um, yeah, because the living from the heart can also be, um, you know, it's vulnerable. There's, yeah. there's a vulnerability in it because you're putting yourself out there. And it's much easier to hide behind things. And it's much easier to kind of sit in the audience rather than be on the stage, mm. you know, and not have to have people look at you, not have to have people watch you fail, you know, not have to be embarrassed and have like kind of the shame around that. Um and, but I found that like in that vulnerability that there's, um, a huge, a huge place of, um, potential. Mm. Yeah. What would you say? I mean, usually let's say being, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, um, I think requires a lot of strength because, um, there's always going to be, you know, people out there even close people um, who will say, you know, what, Amy, you want to you want to sail around the world? What, you want to go to Africa? What, you want to go to India? Like, are you nuts? Uh-huh. Are you crazy? And um, because they, they just don't understand. They don't have the same view of, you know, of life or what they want to accomplish. And uh, when you share your ideas and your dreams, it's very easy to to have them crushed especially when you don't have this inner like you know confidence or conviction about um your ideas mm-hmm. um so has there have you experienced a lot of you know let's say resistance or critics or those naysayers and um how did you deal with them to you know to not mm-hmm. fall into their kind of um perception of what is what is worth it or what is right or what is wrong you know Uh uh-huh you know honestly I haven't I haven't um most people around me have been like very supportive Mm -hmm. of the life that I live I have a very supportive family as well they're like okay whatever you know they've never once tried to stop me never and all of my friends I mean you know when I was leaving for Africa they were like Oh, okay. Well, you'll come back, right? You know, it's like they were sorry to see me go but at the same time, but it was more like, go, girl, go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I've always found that I've had a lot of support mm. for, um, for the life that I wanted to lead. And I have also found that when people do kind of criticize it's coming from their own place of fear mm-hmm. and their own place of like, maybe maybe even jealousy in a way of like wanting to do something, Mm -hmm. but not having the courage or the, or being brave enough Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, and so I have very rarely, I would say I very rarely in my life have, have encountered that it's more than anything. I've gotten a lot of support, which Mm -hmm. has been great. Um, I mean, that's for my lifestyle choices, you know, in the way that I've chosen to, to go. Um, but I think like when, Yeah. Like when you, when you, for example, create programs or things Mm -hmm. in a way, you know, I'm, I'm working on creating some programs that, um, 
may not be for everybody. And I think some of some of the things that I, I've tried to do have been met with like, well, why are you doing that? Why are you the expert? Why do you think mm-hmm. you can do that? You know, more of more of in that way rather than mm-hmm. the life I lead. And that's when I just have to really stand on myself. I'm like, you know what? I have a lot of experience. I'm not a child, you know, mm-hmm. and even if I, you know, no, I mean, I'm in my forties and I've led a very full life and no, I'm not an expert, but I definitely have enough, enough experience to be mm-hmm. able to lead, teach and share. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to kind of fight sometimes for your, for your, um, for your space, I guess. Mm-hmm. I love you that. Know? What what yeah. gives you the power to go into that fight? You know, it's, it's taken, it's, yeah, it's taken me a while, I would say, to really believe that I have something mm-hmm. to offer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or that, or that like, um, you know, going into like my, my nature coaching and the, um, the groups that I, the women's mm-hmm. groups that I'm just starting out on, um, you know, for, for a while I was like, not really sure that I had, I had what it takes to be able to lead things like this because, um, I'm still on the path. I'm still learning. I, you know, still have my own inner struggles. I still have my personal struggles. You know, mm-hmm. I am far from perfect. And there was some realization I came to a couple of years ago and I realized like, it doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody is still fighting some battle, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not, let's call it a battle, but like is still learning and is still growing and is still, you know, it's a never ending journey. And so yeah. no matter where you are at in the process, you know, you can support someone else if you decide that you can create the space for that. Or like I have decided I can create the space for that. And so therefore, um, I'm going to do it, you know, mm. and I'm going to learn just as much probably along the way, because when you step into the role from, you know, you go from um, student to teacher, it's a whole different role. But being a teacher doesn't mean that I know everything, mm-hmm. you know, and I think for a long time, I always thought like I could never be a teacher because yeah. um, I have to know everything. You know, that really held me back from teaching yoga for a long time. And I was like, there's no way. I am so not one of those spiritual guru people. I mean, you know, I drink, I go out to the bars, you know, (laughs) there's just that I am not yoga material at all. But one of my girlfriends really convinced me. She's like, we need people like you out there. We need to get away from this like holier than thou kind of, you know, concept and like really just get normal people like I'm, you know, like leading rather than rather than teaching. But Mm -hmm. like also, you know everybody's got something to teach yeah, and to learn from. So yeah, it's and, just how you decide to do it and what you decide to do. So. Yeah. And I, and I love how you just said that sometimes it's like, I, I notice it sometimes in, in uh, whatever, in, in, in personal encounters with friends or colleagues or whatever. And you see how people are holding themselves back. And when you, you know, you just take the first step and you're like, okay, people, can we just keep it real, you know? And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It can be like very silly things, but I feel like sometimes people are restricting themselves so much. And when they see that, you know, there's another person, she's not like perfect. I hate this word perfect by now mm-hmm. already because there is no such thing as perfection. And But she's not behaving in this XYZ way and it's fine, you know? You can be yourself, Um that alone allows people, you know, to just, I don't know, just kind of breathe sometimes, I feel yeah. like. Just take so they, much weight off of their shoulders. It's incredible. 
Yeah, the authenticity, that's for sure. It's a big factor because, you know, especially in the yoga world, people, you know, want to, to have this, like this image, you know, whatever this, this perfect yogi is, yeah. you know, from, from, from the body image to, you know, this being able to do all these, you know, fancy poses and all this stuff. And which really takes away from like what yoga really is about, which mm. is about the connection between you and the spirit. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically all it is at the end of the day and like how you connect and how you can connect to the spirit so that you can become a much more open, valuable, empathetic, compassionate human being to yourself and to others. And that's what it's about. And, um, you know, when it has all this pressure of like, oh, I have to look like this, I have to be like mm -hmm. this, and I have to do this on it, then it, it, it like, it starts to constrict people, which is exactly the opposite of what, what it's about, which is about opening. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, and I think it's really important that people are more who they are, you yeah. know, it does not matter, you know, and you're going to attract your own people, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Some people aren't going to like me and want to come to my classes at all or do things with me and other people are going to be like, oh, thank God, you know, finally mm -hmm. someone who speaks my language, you yeah. know, so you know, and there's, there's, there's an abundance, there's enough of us and there's enough of, of people in the world for everybody to find exactly what they're looking for, who they're looking for, who they want to learn from, who they want to be with, mm. you know, there's That's just, true. it doesn't have to be competition. No, I think, yeah, just actually f just focusing on yourself is, um, yeah. well, that's just it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. That's just it. And like, whether you are in the position of a teacher or a student, it doesn't really matter. But when you focus on yourself, and you start to work on yourself, then you're going to attract, you know, what you need mm -hmm. to you, you know, good and bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, you so know, to grow and all that. So things gonna happen. And I feel that sometimes, or not sometimes, I, I believe for everybody always, I feel like the universe is always going to put you to a test. You know, it's it's like with with your sailing experience, you hand in everything and then, you know, they don't pick you. And then it's like, okay, <laughs> let's let's see if you really want to go, you know. Oh, yeah. Amy, you say you want to have a life, you know, where you just do what you love. Okay, try out the corporate job, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. really... Is that re like, are you sure? Are you willing to, to, to take that step? And that's sometimes I feel like when we have those down, like th those moments where we feel like maybe like shit and we feel completely lost. Sometimes this is just like a, you know, kind of like a wake up call, a reminder of like, is this really what you want to do? Mm -hmm. And then it's like this, this moment where you have to go inside yourself, like really think about it and then just take, you know, that that adequate action that, you know, you really want and that you're really serious about. And I think then, you know, things will start to fall into place. Yeah, they will. You just have to kind of really connect and find out what it is that you want. Because I also feel that people kind of go along through life without ever really questioning what mm -hmm. it is that they want, you know, because it's much easier to not question and just to like, you know, be in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, as I said, kind of like kind of happy, you know, mm. like things are, are kind of good, you know, more or less, you know, but there, there's, yeah, I, like mediocre, you know, yeah. and I feel like there's a lot more out there and there's a lot more available, but you have to open yourself up to it. And by opening yourself up to it, you have to open yourself up to 
to, to the uncertainty, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a very scary place to be. Again, that's the vulnerability, you know, that's mm-hmm. like very, very scary place to be where, you know, you're kind of exposed, you don't know what you're doing, you're not really sure, but that's where you're going to start to discover what it, who you are and what it is that you really want. But you mm-hmm. have to ask yourself those questions first. You know, you have to ask yourself, like, what is it that I want? And I, I have a feeling sometimes people don't really ask themselves that. They do what they think they're supposed to do. Mm. You know, and it depends on what you're motivated by. You know, I've never been motivated by money. And so because of that, my life's taken a different path. But people that are very motivated by money, their life goes in a direction that, um, you know, is is financially driven. And so I chose, like... A, a quite hard path, I'd have to say, um, of adventure and, um, you know, seeing the world and mm. in that learning a lot about myself because I put myself out there so many times and had so many like uh, uncertain moments and yeah. unquestionable moments, but it's been fantastic, you know, but I'm a risk taker and I think I'm just, I, I have a feeling that I was born like that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was, it, I was made like that. It's just something that I feel it's much more exhilarating, you know, taking risks and living this kind of normal, safe life. And I think so, that's what it's in yeah. the end. It's, it's going to be all about. Nobody's going to say, Hey, remember my pay, my paycheck from 1996 <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And the, the, all the things that I bought or whatever, but you will always remember certain trips. You will always remember certain yeah. experiences. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. With our time uh, coming to an end, um, mm-hmm. if you were able to implant like one message into the subconscious of every woman on this planet, <laughs> what would that one thing be? That they should all know. <sighs> one message. You know, I would really encourage people to to listen to their hearts and to, to get in touch with their heart, Mm -hmm. you know, their own heart, not the, you know, the, the story in their mind or the story that they're being told or that they're telling, but like what's really in there, Mm -hmm. you know, like really listening to that and then starting to live from that place because that's where it's the most authentic that's where it's the most loving that's where it has the most power and the most passion and if you live from that place then your life can be very very magical very very special Mm. and so that would be that would be my message that women get out of the head get out of the what I should be doing you know and Mm -hmm. get out of the judgment of society and get into what you want to be doing who you are Take the time to listen, you know, create the space yeah. to listen. Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. another thing that I also ask all of my guests is I call mm-hmm. it the three nuggets of wisdom. So if, okay. if you could, if you could send three pieces of wisdom to your six year old self, to little Amy, mm-hmm. what is it that you would like her to know, you know, about herself, about life? you know, considering everything that you've been through and everything that you've achieved, what is it that you feel is important for her to know? Three things. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm, To a six-year-old. Okay. So I could also send this to my daughter. (laughs) Um, 
I think one of the first things would be stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. There's a lot of, um, you know, just like we've been talking about, there's a lot of uh, people that tell us what we should be doing. Society tells us what we should be doing. But stay true to what it is that you want to do. And believe in that. Believe in that. And um, go for it. Just go for it. Do what you want to do and go for your dreams. You know, Mm -hmm. don't let anybody tell you that they're not possible because I think that's really important. You know, don't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then I guess a third one um, would be to, to have a positive outlook on the world as much as possible. Because I think that's really important. Um, You know, it's very easy to kind of get into this like judgmental role and also to put yourself in the victim role. You Mm -hmm. know, things are just happening. But to try to just like really, you know, have a positive outlook and don't worry so much about all of the, the other stuff that's going on. Just stay bright and stay alive and stay happy Mm. even you know of course there's always going to be things that come in that make you sad and um lonely and all that but like yeah just keep keep to the light keep to the light i love that so (laughs) so amy how can where can people find you where can they work with you you know if they got hooked or interested by everything that you've experienced that you can share with people I have a website that has all of my, um, all the things that I do. I have a Facebook page as well, but it's, um, I would say the website's better. And mm-hmm. so it's com, and all of my offerings are on there. My retreats, I always do a retreat in France every year, a yoga mm-hmm. and hiking retreat. And um, I do goal setting workshops and I'm going to start doing art classes for women in nature in Munich. So yeah, there's a, I've got quite a lot going on this year. Art, also an archery retreat <laughs> in yoga. So yeah. 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 So it's amyminyati.com. Perfect. So everybody who got interested and we could have spent so much more, we, we already went overboard, but we could have <laughs> talked even okay. an, another hour, I feel. Um, <laughs> it was, it was so easy Easily. to talk to you and I, I'm still like, you know, so still so thankful and grateful that um, you've shared your story with us, all the incredible things that you've, you know, done. And um, yeah, just thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive Podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash thrivepodcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.